0: Welcome to the Arm and Ready Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Wood, the VA Loan Guy. We have a really exciting episode coming up for you. Come check it out. Today's episode, we have Navy veteran Devin Hayes on with us, and we're super excited to learn about her and everything that she's done in the military and in her civilian life. So Devin, thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us today.
1: Yes, thanks for having me on. I am excited to be here.
0: Awesome. Well, so you're in Colorado right now. We were just kind of talking about that um, offline. And um, something we both have in common is skiing and snowboarding, right? And um, so you're in the perfect location for that. Um, But let's tell our our listeners a little something about you. So tell us about, um, you know, tell us about Devin. How did you Get into the Navy. Like, what was going through your brain that triggered you to to make that commitment? And um, what did you do in the Navy?
1: I ended up in the Navy because uh, I I did I wanted to see the world. Um, It was about halfway through my senior year of high school, and I had um, I hadn't taken the SATs or ACTs. I hadn't even thought about college, and um, it occurred to me that uh, that was something I was supposed to do. And, um, but I had no idea what I would want to study in college. So I, I surprised uh, my entire family and, um, enlisted, uh, halfway through my senior year and decided that, you know, I was going to go travel the world and, um, and try and figure myself out. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how, that's kind of how I got into the Navy. Um, I worked in IT, so that was it. Was the coolest job. I was on a ship, the USS Frank Cable, out of Guam, and um, and so I worked in the radio shack, which was awesome. So, so I got my top secret clearance, did all the secure, non secure voice and data comms, and um, got to work on like the the uh, radcon team, and um, you know just some really cool stuff. When we when I first reported to my ship, we kind of were doing some comrel projects and just got to go see about um 12 different countries in my first like 6 months and um so it was it was the best decision it was so cool and it kind of helped me figure out what i wanted what i wanted to study later in life if it was staying military or getting out um so yeah that's kind of that's how i ended up in the navy i guess so that's a little bit about my yeah
0: that's, that's really cool so what what kind of ship was your ship what was the mission of it
1: it was a submarine tender. So we were one of two sub tenders. Um, and we serviced the, all the submarines in the Pacific fleet.
0: Okay. And, um, like how big was, was your boat? Like how many people on that ship at a time? Usually,
1: I hope I don't mess up the stats. I think it was about, uh, 1200 people on the ship. Um, and at the time it had, Um, more females than, um, any other ship minus aircraft carriers, um, when they have like flight crew and stuff like that on it. So, um, yeah, it was, it was about 800 feet long, I believe like 46 feet across. Um, it was just a big, big floating tub. It wasn't part of like, we didn't go, you know, travel with like the PAC seven fleet or anything like that. Um, so we were just dedicated to the subs and kind of went wherever they were and needed us. So. Um, you know, it was, it wasn't, uh, like a battleship or something cool like that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's still cool though. I mean, you probably got to see the subs in the middle of the ocean and stuff like that, which is, that's a cool site, right?
1: Yeah. And doing like exercises where they would do like at sea refueling. So you have the sub, you know, surface and we're going alongside and just these lines, like just, you know, one of the drills and exercises, but it was really cool. Um, and got to see a ton of subs, got to go inside of them when we were, um, in port and take a look at, cause we would, you know, joint efforts help their radio shack out with stuff like messages they may have missed when they were, um, or came and garbled when they were out to sea. So, um, yeah, it was, it was so cool. It was for being 18 and seeing all this stuff and just living this life. It's, it's so crazy. It was like the best decision. So yeah, it was, it was awesome.
0: That is cool. Um, yeah. so how many, you said you visited quite a few places. What was like your favorite place that you got to go visit?
1: Um, Okay. So surprisingly, um, Hong Kong was incredible. I had never had any desire to go to Hong Kong. Um, and Singapore, Singapore was uh, beautiful. And I, again, 18, I had no idea. like, I was, I wasn't, you know, I don't know, refined in, in, in my uh, geographic knowledge, (laughs) I guess. So, uh, yeah, those, those two countries are cool. And, um, I went to New Zealand just on my own. Um, kind of took took leave um, and got to go visit there, which was cool because we were um, in Australia at the time. So. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So just a ton of traveling in those four years, and then you know, with, you just make some of the best friends, lifelong friends. Like, and you just connect with other veterans immediately because I don't think I mean, as you know, like it's it's hard to explain that experience to anybody else who hasn't who is not a vet and hasn't kind of lived through. Um, what it's like day-to-day in the military.
0: How long were you in the Navy for total?
1: So I was in uh, four years active duty and then seven years in the active reserves while I was um, in college. I, I tried to keep up with it, but ultimately, um, yeah, just once I got to my professional career, I stopped doing the reserves and um, that was it. But yeah, those four years of active duty were awesome and a good time. Yeah. So how long did
0: you do did you your active reserve time at?
1: I did it here in Colorado. Um, just, yeah, we would drill out at Buckley air force base. And then on a couple of my like two week, um, missions, we would, I was in Hawaii once and then I went to the, uh, Naval war college. Um, one summer. Oh, sweet. Oh my gosh. It was so, it was so cool. It was really, really cool. The, well, the history there, the old buildings and then actually working like on the main it floor where they like, they, there was no active like drill going on. Um, for the, you know, the higher ups, but seeing like the room and the stations where everything, all the tech was set up for where they, I guess, play war games for lack of a better term. And it was really cool.
0: Oh, that is cool. Yeah. Uh, So, so you, you get to do communications and have like this tech background and then you're going to college. So you went to college in Colorado then, right?
1: Yes, I did. I did. Thanks to uh, the the VA there, my uh, sending me to school. I appreciate that. So yeah, um, awesome, right? The GI Bill is incredible. Yeah. And then there was, I got it, like the Navy, um, they had a scholarship um, on top of it, just kind of layered onto the GI Bill. So I got to use that too. So um, it was one of the lucky ones that got out of college with, uh, I had a little bit of a student loan just um, towards the end there, the, my senior semester, the tuition prices skyrocketed at CU. And so um but it was like a couple thousand bucks, really. So very, very lucky to have you know my bachelor's degree without a ton of debt, you know.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. You know, in the mortgage business, I see people's credit reports all the time, and um, you would be surprised how many people have like six figures worth of student loan debt. It's just, it's really, really surprising. I mean, I had some student loan debt when I graduated too, but I mean, it was like you it was very nominal in comparison. Um, But yeah, I I can't imagine, you know, going to school with today's tuition prices and stuff and having that kind of debt burden, that makes it, boy, there's a lot of pressure when you get out of school, you know?
1: What did you study when you you went to school?
0: So I studied um, political science, actually. Oh, wow. Uh, So um, aspiring to get into pilot school um, as I was in the guard and um, going in front of the uh, pilot selection committees and stuff, you had to have your degree, but it didn't have to be anything particular. Um, and political science is where I kind of gravitated to. And I always thought, well, if being a pilot doesn't work out, that's kind of a launching pad into law school, maybe. Um, so, um, but once I was done with college, I, I had no more, no more capacity for school. I was, I was done with school. (laughs) So law school wasn't uh, on the table at that point. Um,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. but I fell into the mortgage, mortgage industry, um, right before I, finished college and made it a career. I mean, here I am, this is my 20th year in the business actually. So um, uh, wow. yeah, so I you've never. Been
1: to, you've been able to write out those like peaks and valleys and bubbles bursting and, and all kinds of stuff, huh?
0: Yeah. It's been, it's been a wild ride to say the least. It really, really interesting. It was funny. Um, not funny, but it was a little bit scary. Like when COVID hit this last year, the shakeup it had in the mortgage industry out of the gate. I mean, obviously it, it balanced out and everything's been fine. But that first, I don't know, 30 days, it was very reminiscent of like 08 when it crashed. And we were seeing investors just go out of business, disappear, guidelines changing like crazy. And we we're all thinking, oh man, we're in we're in big trouble again. And then, you know, the Fed stepped in and made some moves and stuff. And you know, they learned from the last crisis, how to, you know, what to do in order to prevent something crazy happening. Um, so thank uh, you, know, very thankful for that. And it spawned, you know, a huge, a huge boom in the industry, but, um, yeah, that first 30 days we were, it looked a lot like 2008. Wow. That's
1: yeah. That's pretty scary. That's pretty scary.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so now you, you have your own business, right? Tell us about that. Um, you're in digital marketing. So Yes. Tell us what is digital marketing for those that have no, I, I have an idea, but you tell us what digital marketing is.
1: So, um, it kind of touches a lot of points. So it's, um, paid media. So those ads that pop up on Google, you know, at the top of the search engine results pages, mm-hmm. um, there's that component. Then there's a little component under that where you see, you know, a map and then three results after you are searching for something. Oh, yeah. Um, and then below that where you see everything else on the results page, um, there's a reason all of that stuff appears where it does and how it does. And so uh, digital marketing kind of makes sure that companies get on page one of Google or their ad gets displayed. Um, social media ties into that, um, as well as you know the content on a website. So all the things that people do digitally online kind of are to, the common goal is to be on page one of Google because when we're looking for something, that's where we go you nobody gets to page two or three. And so kind of all these different functions of everything we do online, um, from you know, emails, Facebook, Instagram, all the YouTube, podcasts, videos, you know, everything. Um the goal is to be found by people that, you know, uh want want business or service or product, whatever it is. So um so we help we help people do that. We're um just a small and nimble firm and let's see I started it in 2014 and um, we have quite a few clients that have stayed with us the whole time just because of the results and getting driving those online leads for a lot of like uh, business-to-business, um, service-based companies. We have a lot of home service people, um, mortgage people, actually. Um, yeah, we, uh, we kind of help a lot of people across the board. We assist other um, like mid-sized firms. We help their marketing departments as well. So digital marketing is just it's a whole bunch of stuff, uh, and I, it's, it's hard to say it succinctly, but I guess, yeah. Uh, the easiest way is to just say all those things to get you on page one of Google digital marketing helps with that. So
0: <laughs> that's cool. So yeah. did you know, like this was the field you wanted to go into, like, was that what you studied in school and were setting up for, or how did you come, come into the, being in digital marketing?
1: I kind of, so I did study it, but I kind of lucked into it. So I got um, a dual major in international business and marketing. I was hoping to do, you know, business abroad and do marketing abroad or something, but, um, then when I graduated from college, uh the job market was like I just not forgiving. And so um I took my first job was actually um for a construction company as a um business manager and the um it was for Kiwit and it was in Petaluma, in California actually. Oh yeah. And so yeah, so I got a little bit of experience in the construction world um and then I moved across the country for a boyfriend to Rochester, New York. <laughs> from Petaluma, so if you can imagine, <laughs> yeah, and, um, and I got a job out there with another construction company that was kind of accounting, but they needed some help in their, BD to, their business development department, and so that kind of morphed, and then after a year in Rochester, I decided I couldn't do that anymore. I came back to Denver, and my old boss in Rochester set me up with an engineering company in Denver, um, and so, and I just did full-on marketing for that company, um, kind of moved my way up, made it to marketing director there. And then, um, after a while that I kind of was looking for, um, a different, a different challenge, um, more pay. I think that's why most people leave their jobs is they're just not making enough money. Um, I loved that company, but ultimately like it was a 35% increase in salary. If I made a jump to each company, I, um, was the, I, switched jobs and was marketing director for a mortgage company out here for, um, a couple years. And that was just not a good fit for me. And so as the marketing director, you're kind of touching all pieces of marketing. Um, and so it was nice to get more experience under my belt, especially, um, marketing and advertising in the financial uh, sector. And so after a couple years of that, um, the culture just wasn't a fit for me. And so I, um, kind of started, my exit strategy and um, started my own company. And the one I had left because I wanted to get paid more, they actually were one of my first clients because they had cycled through a couple marketing people while I was gone Um, just because it was a really highly technical service. Uh, It wasn't just like civil engineering. It was, we did a lot of construction defect litigation. And so that's, it's kind of complex and harder to kind of market. So um, yeah, and then- so yeah, that's a that's a very long-winded answer, but um, so that's how I kind of came to be and came to have my own company, and then um, after a few years uh, by myself, we just merged recently with another company, Mitch Media, about two years ago, and joined forces. And um, yeah, we're we're growing and thriving and doing great. And um, you know, we're just we really aligned with our values uh, as far as how we handle, you know not only handle the clients, but when an issue comes up, um, I think that's where we kind of stand out as we're just, you know, highly, highly ethical. Um, We see a lot of, for example, we deal with a lot of home services people, but we'll only take one roof or one specific market. Um, Because, you know, if not, you're just kind of shifting money from pocket to pocket, but both clients are suffering because you're kind of competing against each other and cannibalizing one another. So uh, we see a lot of marketing companies just, they'll take on whoever. And so we just, um you know, have some clear, clear, clear lines we don't cross. And um, yeah. Really
0: cool you do that. Yeah, that's really yeah, cool.
1: Definitely.
0: We get solicited all the time being in the mortgage business for all sorts of marketing things, right? And, yeah. you know, the, the big, the big pitch from a lot of them is, oh, we're just looking for one person in your market that, you know, fits this. Oh. I don't know that they're always telling the truth, but um, the concept of, yeah, you're not pitting me against someone else that, you know, you're cannibalizing your own marketing efforts really um, is is great. Um, Super cool. What do you, what do you see in, you know, like there's a lot of, I guess, headlines around like tech and social and the, you know, the, the big tech players and, you know, everything that's going on. Does, what do you see from, kind of a marketing standpoint with all of that, has that been impacting your business?
1: So, so what we see, um, what we've seen this past year, especially is that, you know, what we all know as marketers is that content is king. And so there's a market saturation. There's so many blog posts. Um, There's, there's just a ton of content. And so what we're kind of seeing um, is the need for diversified content for um, each of our clients where before you know you could do optimize a blog post and just focus on blog posts only and then sharing those on social media and you know that kind of fit the bill but um, we're seeing a greater need for actual engagement on social media from the content that you post and publish and it mm-hmm. all kind of lends itself to where you rank for your service um, in those organic search results pages so, what we're focusing on in 2021 for our customers is um, diversifying the content and really, really delivering something that people want to engage with. I think we all see, you know, the holiday posts from businesses we like on Facebook or Instagram, but um, you know, it just doesn't cut it anymore. So, giving them, giving people valuable information, valuable content in different formats is, uh, is you know, going to be a big, a big thing in 2021. Not just usual blog posts. So.
0: Yeah, no, I think you hit it spot on. Like there's a couple of people who I follow and, you know, some of them I try and emulate to a degree on what they're doing, especially on social and it's content, right? It's just, it's, it's sharing useful, good content. And, um, you know, it's interesting and I've said this and of course they say it all the time is you know, essentially some of the content we're sharing are, you know, quote unquote, like industry secrets, right? Like, ooh, here's how I do this special thing or, or get the, a client or, you know, whatever. And I think so many people hold those industry secrets close, so close to the vest. Like, ooh, I don't want my competition to know how I do it. But the reality is that's the kind of stuff that people are interested in hearing. And 98% of them aren't going to do a darn thing with it they just want to hear it. Right. They're not going to act on it. They're not going to mimic or copy it, but they just want to hear it. Right. So um, yeah, I totally agree. And I, and I, watched some, some other people in my industry where, you know, they have really just focused on content and um, and their businesses have boomed as a result. Um, so yeah, you're, you're spot on with, with what I'm seeing. And, and I think that's, that's really kind of the, the future, at least as far as, you know, tying all this digital stuff together. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's, I'm, I'm sure you're, especially in your market, there's always new tools coming out that make you more competitive, like the home bot or, you know, what, <clears throat> whatever else it is. And that's, yeah. And that stuff is great. Cause it gives you, um, it gives people what they're looking for. Do you, what kind of like tools have you seen that are like the most effective when people are comparing loans and rates and shopping around?
0: You know, there's, there's a lot of good tools out there. Um, like you mentioned HomeBot, I use HomeBot. So my clients, you know, get access to that. And for those that don't know what that is, it's a service that I pay for, but I put my clients in there. So they receive like a monthly update on their home. So it's not like marketing for me, like, Oh, Jason, spread the word, you know, give me a loan. It's not that it basically just kind of breaks down your property and says, you know, here's what current market value is uh, approximately here's um, some information on it. Like if you were to rent the house out here's what rents are going for. If you were to make it like an Airbnb property, here's what you could get on an average nightly rent in your area for that type of home. Um, and then it does show you some loan things like, Hey, if you, if, cause you, it has your loan data as far as like your rate and your balance and stuff. So it knows amortization schedules that can compute all that. And it will say like, Hey, if you made an extra, you know, $400 a month payment, then you'd pay your loan off this much faster or you know, if it was in a 15 year mortgage, you'd save this much interest, you know, and, and things like that. So really useful stuff. And um, from a, a user standpoint on the, the marketing end of it, the the beauty of it is it has a high open rate and which for someone in digital marketing, you understand what that means. You know, like the typical email, especially a, a marketing email has a very low open rate, which means people aren't clicking it and reading it. Um, so this particular service, it's, it's just, it's good info, right? So that's what people want. They want something that's valuable to them and this provides good value and has a high open rate. So that's a tool that you mentioned that I, I do subscribe to and use. It's really good. Um, and then um, there's a couple others out there that I've tried and some of them take a little more mastery than than others, but um, there's, there's two systems out there that provide um, kind of market analytics for us, you know, as far as. You know, it looks kind of like a stock market chart showing us the bond market and the treasury and mortgage-backed securities. And to so get, you know, live updates on what's happening in the market, you know, as far as being able to understand rates. And and there's, um, you know, the, there's two different sites that are kind of the leaders in that, that the guys that run it are geniuses and really good at their commentary and stuff. And each of them have some different tools for presentation. Um, and um, so those are a couple of good ones that I use as well. And then of course you have, you know, kind of your standard CRM, right. Which is contact relationship manager, which is, you know, sending out those drip emails and stuff. And I actually turn off like the standard drip email things that it comes with because they're so generic and they even will post it to social. And, you know, all the loan officers out there who are using their social posts because it's like every fifth one is the same, you know, and it's like, Here's here's your Memorial Day barbecue recipe. And it's like, no one cares about that, you know? Like <laughs> <laughs> so true.
1: Yeah. There's a ton of those. You can tell. Yeah, you're like, oh, I've seen this one.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that Mark, like you said, you know, you know, content is is king. So um my team and I, we spend a lot of time creating like our follow-up systems, you know, for different parts of the business so that it is unique and something of value. Um, And um, it takes a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot that goes into that.
1: I have a question about amortization schedules. When you're looking at it, I know that there's principal and how much of a payment is principal? How much is interest? If you pay additional interest on um, like say payment number two, eliminate, does that eliminate payment number three? Or did you just like, derail your entire amortization schedule because I, I thought yeah, it was but, making like another like payment
0: but so um when you make an extra payment it's not going towards interest we don't, don't want to give the bank more money um, but it, yeah. yeah but it's, it's going towards your principal so um any extra I mean if you just throw 20 bucks extra on your payment it's going towards your principal so um That's the great thing about it. Um, What's interesting kind of sidebar on that is that wasn't always the case. So prior to 2008, if you made extra payments, not every lender, some did, not every lender applied it towards principal. So you had to actually denote that that was to go to your principal. So, You know, in the back in the day when you wrote checks, I know that sounds archaic, but people used to write these paper things called checks, right? And you would send in your payment through the mail. Crazy to think. Um, And if you were to make an extra payment, you'd do a separate check, and you would, you know, put your hundred bucks or whatever it was going to be, and then the memo line would be, you know, for principal reduction. Um, And you'd have to designate that; otherwise, they could apply it to the interest. Now, there's laws in place that prevent that today, Um, so it all goes towards the principal, but. To get back to answering your question, it doesn't derail the whole amortization schedule, but it also doesn't make the payment for the next month. So your schedule, your amortization schedule is your amortization schedule. So every month you're going to have your payment. If you made triple the payment today, if you made three mortgage payments today, it's not going to cover you through um, till April. You're still going to have a payment due every month. But what's going to happen is the extra money is lopping off the top of the principal. So now you're saving interest because the calculation is changing as far as total interest charge and you'll end up paying the loan off sooner.
1: Okay, yeah, that's, I guess that's what, in my head I pictured like I make payment to and pay like line item three's uh, principal and then I can go to like line item 30 and like cross it off. That's what I kind of thought, but maybe not. <laughs> I know.
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they, right, they okay. say if, if you make the equivalent of one full mortgage payment, extra mortgage payment per year, right? Which could be a hundred or 200 bucks a month, or, you know, you, your tax refund and you plop the whole thing down, whatever. One extra payment of per year will shave, depending on the math, between six and eight years off the total life of your loan. Um, so you can make it, you know, 24 or 22 year loan, yeah. by just making one extra payment, which might be just a couple hundred bucks a month. Um, Yeah. So it's, it's pretty cool. Then there's, there's another neat feature for those who it works for, which is biweekly payments. So not, I I think most servicers will actually do it now, but you could set it up. So your mortgage payment essentially gets chopped in half Mm -hmm. and half is due on the first and the second half is due on the 15th, which for some people's like pay cycles that might work perfectly. But the beauty of it is there are 26 biweekly periods in a year which equates to 13 monthly payments. So you've got your extra payment in there per year by switching to biweekly.
1: Oh yeah. That is a, that's a neat little uh, tip there.
0: Yeah. So you can, you can really chop it down and and save yourself some interest doing that. Uh, Absolutely. Which is really cool. Yeah. So a lot of little neat, neat tricks like that. Um, And then obviously, you know, refinancing rates are incredibly low. So getting into something, Super low. I mean, we've helped a lot of people go from a thirty-year mortgage into a fifteen-year, where their payment really didn't change much, or you know, maybe maybe it went up nominally, um, but they just con- converted to a fifteen-year mortgage, and the the dollars that you save in interest are large when you switch, when you change the whole amortization schedule down to fifteen years. It's a tremendous savings, really, really big. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So um, so what's What's the um, the growth plan for you and your company now? You guys said you're small and nimble. So is are you guys kind of good where you're at with size of employees and clients, or are you always looking to kind of build and grow more?
1: Um, yeah, we are looking to grow a little bit more. Um, we are pretty good right now with um, employees, but I think ultimately we would just like... Um, you know, a, a handful more, uh, of clients where we offer like a full package service where we do everything from your social media, email marketing, um, search engine optimization, your paid media, um, you know, your local SEO, your content strategy, your content, we have a package where we kind of do everything for you. And, um, you know, we're touching base weekly with, you know, the chief marketing officer or whoever's in charge, but, um, our team is running the program for you. And so, that's kind of, we would like to get like a handful more of what we call the CMO assist clients um, because, you know, we, that's, that's the best when we can control kind of everything and have our hands on, you know, your reviews online, your reputation management, like all that stuff. And we can, when we're in charge and we can just go and you trust us, um, that's the best. That's when we're the most effective and can really, um, really get those like lasting, impactful results that stick around even, you know, say you had to cutbacks and covid and there's a pandemic and you need to you know cut your marketing budget and let us go you would still have those results you know it's not like a, just paid media for example where the second you stop paying you're going to see a big dive excuse me in here in your online results so um so yeah a handful more of those clients and then um we really, we really love our home services people and, and uh, they're just, you know, kind of salt of the earth people that have a, a smaller marketing budget. And so we kind of do one-off services for them and help them with their local SEO, which, uh, you know, for those guys, those, that's, that's the most important thing, the most cost effect, cost effective, and they'll have, it'll have a higher impact sooner for the least amount of money, really. So, um, so those are kind of areas we want to grow. And if we get big enough where we can bring on someone else, you know, maybe, mid year that would be great but um yeah for now we're, we're we're sitting pretty just want to get a couple more people
0: so yeah, yeah. that's really cool and I, I like how you touched on kind of that full package thing because um the whole marketing approach all of those things interlink at, at some level right much so so i think it's it be who of people or companies to to do kind of the all in one package because You can't have one person internally running social media and then a third party company that's running the ads and SEO because they, they do need to sync and talk and um, probably, probably cheaper not to have a paid staff member anyways, and just have it all outsourced. I would imagine. But, um, but yeah, that's a really good point. It just all talks to each other. Um, Are you seeing um, or have you seen, I remember, you know, a long time ago, like the, the pay-per-click thing was just this huge rave, right? And I think social media has kind of um, diluted that quite a bit, right? With Facebook ads and Instagram ads and things like that. Um, Is is that something that's still talked about or or do you see kind of that shift too to the social media platforms?
1: So, um, you know, there's a purpose for each platform. And when you look at social media ads, I think those are effective and really inexpensive for Um, e-commerce, but for like service-based businesses, um, we, we tend to kind of shy away from social media advertising unless it's for a brand play, because when you're paying for ads on social media, those are, those are passive users, you know, they're scrolling, they're not looking for your service, but on, you know, with AdWords, people are actively looking for that service. And that's when your ad will appear. So, you know, if you've got a slim budget, And it's, and it's specifically to make that phone ring. We, we really, we don't recommend social media ads. If you're a service-based business now e-commerce, that's totally different. I'm guilty of clicking on every Instagram ad and buying whatever. I still have like five Christmas ornaments that haven't arrived from China, (laughs) (laughs) but, but for service-based businesses, we, unless you're, you know, it's a brand play because top of mind awareness is always important. Um, you know, we really, we really don't have our clients invest, um, very much in social media, uh, marketing and advertising. And then, um, the other thing that, that ha- happened during the pandemic, um, was with AdWords and your brand name, like you can just, you know, bid your own brand name. So if people Google VA loan guy, there's not some competitor that's ranking above you. Well, what we saw with our home services clients is that competitors were just clicking on ads to drive up the price. So something that would normally cost, you know, $3 per click was at $70 a click. It was, it's just crazy. Wow. Yeah, that was, that was nuts. And then, um, and then the other thing is Google local service ads, which I don't know if you've searched recently, but if you're um, looking for an electrician or a plumber or pest control, you know, roofers. Um, they now have this, and it's about a year old, maybe two, two years old now, actually, um, called Google Local Service Ads. And it has primetime real estate on the search engine results page. It's at the very top, and you get a little green badge that says Google Guaranteed because um, Google actually does a background check on the owners, and they, do, um, they check their insurance. So they kind of vet out whoever is able to run those ads. And um, those have been the most effective for uh, you know those home services. Folks. so um so those are those are alive and thriving and those ones are great because you can dispute anything that's not a lead you only pay for the click if the lead actually is a customer looking for your service because sometimes you get crews looking for work or for mm. whatever reason advertisers um call those numbers and um luckily you know google just re- refunds you for that click and that customer for those um, home services ads so yeah
0: That's really cool. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned that, you know, kind of clicking to drive up the price. So years ago, I got suckered into Yelp's sales pitch. And they went on trying to get more clients in the mortgage space. And they were going after people in my local area, in my sphere. And I had some friends in the industry at different companies call me and say, Hey, you know, what do you think? Uh, the Yelp thing—they were using your profile as an example, and and um, I just thought you should know because I know it's a pay-per-click thing that they called me and they were clicking and using your account, and all of a sudden, like month one, I just saw this spike in in clicks and everything. I'm like, huh, that's interesting because so far there's only one review posted, so how am I getting this huge spike? Right, and it was Yelp actually clicking and driving my cost up just to make more money
1: i i hate yelp i do i really do they um they're the worst and they are a necessary evil in what we do i hate it they're connected to apple maps so like i absolutely hate that we have to you know play ball with them but um yeah they i even once wrote a blog post on telling people how to find the non-recommended reviews on um, people's Yelp profiles because there will be like quality reviews hidden away for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, oh gosh. And then they try and sell you ads, but they're showing your one star reviews when you have like 35 star reviews in the not currently recommended area. So but if you buy those ads and you and you start advertising with Yelp, magically, uh, those five-star reviews are now in your recommended reviews, which is what people see when they, you know, get to your page on Yelp. So, yeah. and they'll tell you, oh, it's, in, it's an algorithm. It's an algorithm. We can't touch that. But magically, if you start advertising, that's how it works. Ugh.
0: Yeah. No, I, I feel your frustration because, uh-huh. and I have, I have a, a realtor friend in the area and um, has a, a gazillion outstanding reviews and just is a superb person and, and earned it. Right. Um, and he's gotten in, you know, some verbal fights with Yelp cause he refuses to pay for their advertising, but he'll have, you know, a five-star review show up and it was on there last week and this week gone, can't find it anywhere. And he'll call them and be like, what happened to my review? Well, you know, you have a lot of reviews and blah, 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 but if you want them all to show, uh huh. Like you know, back to the game again of you know, pay us money.
1: And the most aggressive salespeople, I, I mean, ever. I yeah, I have had like very heated conversations, and usually it shouldn't be shouldn't be that way with someone yeah. To sell you something and very very high pressure, and I believe it. I've I've seen screaming matches, or had clients tell me about screaming matches. We're like, we're really sorry, we have to set this up. Um, it's it's a ranking thing. You're gonna start getting phone calls and get bothered by yelp just don't do it don't do it don't do it you know
0: yeah what do you recommend for reviews do you have do you guys have like a system or a service where you can shoot out reviews to multiple places or do you just kind of do it one at a time and you know google reviews or facebook reviews or whatever what do you suggest there
1: yeah there's there's actually a lot of different services um and there's a lot that are specific to um your business's niche as well so um, it kind of depends which industry you're in, but like, I think guild quality is one of those that, you know, they'll email or text your customer and they can aggregate your reviews, but or actually they have all their reviews on that site. Um, there are, there's a few different review aggregators that can, you know, plug into your website and list your reviews. Um, as far as getting, re- yeah, there's just, there's a lot of services. I'm trying to think of one that we love, um we use, we use, um, a service called grade.us and that one's great. That one can do like email or text. Um, it will publish to social when you get a review, that's like four or five stars, or if you want to publish your one and two stars, you can. Um, so that's a good service. And, um, and that's for, yeah, that's for requesting and publishing. And then um, outside of that, the other thing that we recommend clients do with their reviews is to make sure you respond to all of them. Even if someone just leaves you like five stars, um, it's important to go in and say, hey, thank you for leaving us a five-star review. That's all kind of part of what helps you rank on the search engine results pages. So um, that's kind of how to manage them. And then as far as getting the reviews after you've earned someone's business, um, I, mean, I, I don't know. I guess personalized emails always work or one of those services that automatically sends it. If, if you're connected to a CRM because there has to be that trigger to send those auto emails. So that's when uh, struggling on the best answer for this one, because there's too many factors that weigh into, um, you know, how someone's operating. But,
0: gotcha. But, yeah. No, that's super helpful. I think, um, you know, reviews are important. I think we all look at those, right. Whether we're buying something on Amazon or, you know, we're Googling a service, we're always looking, Oh, how many, how many stars do they have? How many are are good? How many are bad? You know? Um, So it's it's super important for being found and for getting business. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And especially replying to those like one star reviews, because you know that you can sort and organize and read those one star reviews. And, you know, you never know if, if a company doesn't reply, you don't know their side of it. You know, there's um, two sides to every story. And so you just need to make sure to reply professionally and, Kind of view it as an opportunity for improvement and figure out, you know, what's going on, what went wrong, or you know, at times like sometimes customers just like literally crazy and that happens. But, um, you know how a company responds to those bad reviews is part of their brand and part of what will build trust uh, moving forward. It doesn't uh, it doesn't deter me because I read about a million reviews, but I really look at how a company replies to the bad ones too to see okay, if there was a problem, how did you deal with it? Did you ignore them and not reply? Or did you, you know, apologize, thank them for the feedback and then, you know, try and take the conversation offline with them, something like that. So um, yeah, you're right though. Everybody is just, you read reviews for everything because you want to be smart about it. We're all trying to be educated consumers before we make a purchase on anything. I'm sure you get that because I bet you people shop out like rates and trying to figure out like the best loan officer and trying to get the best deal for themselves and wanting to be smart because it's such a big chunk of money to to buy a home.
0: It is, yeah, yeah. And the reviews are super important. Um, well, as we we kind of wrap up here, I wanted to ask you, you know, about you know being an entrepreneur and starting your own business. I know we have a lot of um, our audience who are transitioning out of the military, or maybe have transitioned and got that job or two, maybe after they went to school or outside of the military and, and going into business for themselves is, you know, where their heart lies and, and what they want to do. So, um, how would you give them some advice on being, you know, armed and ready to, to move forward, um, to that entrepreneurial venture and, uh, what tips or, or pitfalls did you, you, uh, um, see that you would advise them to avoid?
1: Absolutely. Yes. Um, I would encourage anyone who wants to, uh, you know, start their own business to get out there and do it. I think the, the biggest thing that I didn't do that I probably should have done from the beginning, um, was create, um, well, number one, a marketing plan. Um, I kind of was just flying by the seat of my pants because I knew I knew marketing, right. But I knew the tactical portion of it really well. But if you don't, you know, plan the work and work the plan, um, then you're going to, you're kind of going to fail. So you need to um, check out, you know, do, do a competitive analysis. What business is it that you want to do? What are your competitors doing? What do you see them doing really well? What do you see them failing at? That could be your, your opportunity. And, um, and how are you going to be different than, you know, they're figuring out who your buyers are, you know, um, it's, It sounds simple enough, but you got to know your audience, right? If you have to figure out the platforms that they're on, if you have, um, you know, if you're doing like a reverse mortgage, I don't think you need to spend time on TikTok, for example. So so it's figuring out those buyers and where they're at because, you know, you don't have to be everything to everyone, you know, Um, and, and that's fine. And so, um, I didn't take the time to really identify my buyers in the beginning. And so that led me to kind of just, uh, being too many places at once and not really focusing on where the people were that I wanted, you know, to be my customers. Um, and then, uh, on top of, you know, really planning that out and figuring out how you're going to differentiate yourself and all that, I think it's really important to set those smart goals that, um, you know, they're measurable So if you want to grow your business by 15% or your, I don't know, your Facebook following by 15%, how are you going to do that? Are you joining groups? Are you going to do, you know, some paid social media, whatever it is, I'm having measurable goals instead of saying, I want to have, I want to be the best um, digital marketing company in Denver. That sounds great, but how would I do that? And what, what's, what measurable thing could I associate with uh, achieving that goal? Um, so I guess that's, those are two things that I would do before, you know, you get started and really figure out what those answers are so that you can like pat yourself on the back when you meet those goals, instead of just feeling like you're on this hamster wheel and not getting anywhere.
0: Yeah. I think that's super valuable. And, and you mentioned work in the plan. You know, one thing I, I, I am um, pay for professional coaching. And one, one of the parts of the coaching is creating a marketing calendar for the year and the marketing calendar is, you know, what day of the week am I going to work on, you know, some sort of marketing, whether it's, you know, social media posts or whatever podcasts. Right. Um, and you know, when am I going to implement this? When am I going to implement that? Am I going to have, am I going to have an event or whatever? And getting that on the calendar at the beginning of the year. So it's always in front of you, you know, when you have to work the plan, right? Because I think with, with marketing, especially starting your own business and, and I think in the mortgage or real estate industry, there we're equally as guilty, um, but you get into the hamster wheel, right. Of the transactional piece of it. And then you go, Oh, I should do a social media thing or, Oh, I should do a flyer or get a website. And it's like this last minute, like knee jerk reaction to, Oh, I should do something. And then it totally derails you. And it ends up instead of being an hour, it's, you know, four and a half hours you spent like, and your eyes are bleeding from searching stuff (laughs) out online, you know? And um, you know, you have to have that plan. You have to be tactical. About it, right? And I think um, the one thing we could probably all glean from, you know, our, our military experience is, you know, the way that the military teaches us to be very tactical about accomplishing things, right? Um, yeah. Whether it's a small task or you know a, a large mission, it's it's very tactical, right? And it's very goal oriented and um, result driven. So I think just carry that out, right? Carry that forward into whatever it is you plan to do. And along with your advice of, you know, seeking out who you're competing against, what's your differentiator, how it's going to set you apart um, all huge, huge nuggets and takeaways for people. So um, I thank you so much, Devin, for being on the show today. Um, Really love talking with you and getting, you know, advice for our our audience if they want to jump into any kind of business. Um, But lastly, if someone is in need of some digital marketing, where can they go to find you and connect with you?
1: Yes. Um, So you can find us at ELEVmarketing.com. That's our website. Um, And that's probably the easiest place. Um, You can find us on Facebook, but I think there's about 10,000 Elevation Marketing (laughs) companies, but I think we're the same thing at Um, ELEVmarketing. So find us on there. Um, Yeah, we're, we're here. Easy to talk to and, More than happy to help um, with yeah any startup questions. You know we're not one of those pay us three hundred fifty dollars an hour and we'll give you some advice kind of companies. So um, always happy to help vets. Um, You know obviously it's something near and dear to my heart. So if you need any advice or don't know where to start, um, yeah please do please do look us up uh, and and we will be more than happy to help in, in any way we can.
0: Awesome. And if anybody missed that, you can always connect with me at VALoanGuide.us. We can get you in touch with Devin and um, have you guys share information and and get your digital marketing up to speed um, or just get some good advice. So Devin, thanks so much again, Navy veteran. Thanks for being on the show today.
1: Thank you
0: very much. Take care. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Armed and Ready podcast. If you have any questions, about the episode you just saw, you can reach out to me at valoanguy.us.